You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Quarantine and Chill, the podcast in the Disability After Dark feed, where I sit down with disability thought leaders and talk about their feelings during the pandemic as we are all quarantined together. I did. I started this series because we don't have enough disabled people sharing their stories around the pandemic, and I felt it was important to make sure that I use my platform to uplift these voices. So this is a bonus episode which comes out every Friday. I moved it around for the last few weeks to see which day would work, but a whole bunch of you said you liked Friday. So every Friday, you're going to get a COVID-19 quarantine and chill episode with a disabled person sharing their stories about the pandemic and how it's making them feel, because I think that's a really key demographic that we should be talking to and talking about right now. So I want to use my platform as a disabled person to do that, and I have a great guest for Quarantine and Chill Part 6 today. Let me tell you all about them. Today I'm sitting down with my friend and past guest of the show, Emily Ledow. She is the editor-in-chief of the Rooted in Rights social media and journalistic thing the she's the editor-in-chief of that she's also the co-host of the accessible stall podcast with kyle kachadarian where they talk about disability issues she was a guest on one of the episodes of my show some years back talking about dating but today we sit down and talk about her experiences with the pandemic how she's worried that we're in the corona games, um, how, you know, people are not looking at their privileges. We talk about how she is also, while being disabled, she also helps her family out and her concerns about that. She tells me about her concerns about going into hospital and how the medical system might not be able to take care of her and how we're not doing enough for disabled individuals. There's a lot to unpack in this one, but it was a really, really important interview. And I am I am honored to share it with you because I think it, it lends itself to a really much larger conversation and a much, a much needed conversation. And Emily only, only does her best to amplify that. And she's an amazing friend of mine and I really value her opinion and I'm really pleased and honored that she wanted to come on and share her quarantine and show story. So here's my interview with Emily Ledow right now on Quarantine and Show Part 6. And we're going. All right. Yay! Emily Ledow, hello! 
Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on Quarantine and Chill. Oh my gosh. I would not be anywhere else right now. Literally. <laughs> I mean, could you be anywhere else right now? Literally could not. <laughs> I mean, right? Exactly. So I wanted to invite you on because you are, in my opinion, my humble opinion, a disability thought leader and somebody that I have followed for years and years. Oh my and re- gosh. And like respect and have talked to and have, we've done podcasts together and stuff together. So I was like, you know, somebody whose voice we need to hear during all this COVID pandemic stuff. I want to hear from you and I want to hear, first of all, how are you holding up during all this stuff? I feel like I'm going back and forth right now. I mean, I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Just like up and down? Oh, yeah. There are, there are mornings where I get up and I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Things are good. I'm okay. I'm alive. Like Things are all right. I'm happy. Things are good. My routine hasn't changed drastically. Thank goodness. I, like, I'm okay. I still have my care. I'm all right. And then there are days where I'm like, everything fucking sucks. And I can't do what I want. And I don't like this. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And it's a weird balance because some days I'm like, nah, it's not going to get me. Like, it's okay. We're good. The weather is beautiful. Let me enjoy the day. And then other times I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on in this world right now. And also I read way too much social media. Oh, social media is, the, is social. This pandemic, I really start thinking we should start calling it a social pandemic because it's because of social media, it's spreading both, both important information and both like um, really misinformation from people that don't necessarily know what they're talking about. I.e., I don't know, your president. Um, <laughs> Oh, that guy? Yeah, that guy. Oh, not your president, but the president that is currently <sighs> occupying the office of your president. Yeah, no, he's, he's not my president. Yeah, I know. Um, I disown that. And rightfully so. As a as a disabled person right now, what are you, what do you, other than like feeling up and down, what do you feel about all this stuff? I am in this interesting position of having already worked from home for a while and so I guess I just find myself feeling like oh now everyone's getting it all of a sudden now everyone understands why working from home is an access necessity yeah for certain people and I keep I keep finding this happening like I have to catch myself from getting too frustrated because you know all of a sudden all these things that were just access are now oh, everybody's doing it. Like, oh, we all have to do it now. Like it's and, trendy now, yeah. Yeah, and so I guess I'm just trying to find the balance between being like, yes, good, I hope this is progress and we're all going to realize that when this is all over, like we still need to keep the world like this. Not that we need to all be shut in our houses all the time, but that we need to have the option. To stay home if we need to, yeah. Yeah, so I've been feeling very up and down about stuff like that. And then I think on a a heavier note, probably, you know, aside from just the accessibility stuff, I've been legitimately afraid because I keep seeing all of this conversation around healthcare rationing. And I think I've always known at the back of my mind that that is something that's a possibility and that disabled people aren't prioritized when it comes to triage but yeah 
now it just feels really real. It just feels really, it feels really real. And you wrote a thing for HuffPost recently that I have not read yet, but I've seen your picture in that HuffPost floating around like <laughs> 25 million times in the last three days. I will sit down to read it, and I should have read it before this. I'm I'm a bad podcast host, but <laughs> no, I mean, let me tell you, like it's heavy. So you know, oh, no. proceed the, with well, care. The byline, the the like the teaser line was heavy, but as soon as I read it, I was like, okay, no, that's gonna give me a lot of feelings, and it's also my friends. So like, all right, I'm gonna save that for later. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Um, I just had to dump the feelings out somewhere, and I. I think, you know, I'm so glad that you're one of the few disabled people that I've seen that's written, like, op-eds about how, like, we hear, we're hearing that, we're, that we know that we're not doing enough for disabled people, and there's news stories a little bit about that, but not a lot, but there's really few op-eds right now that are coming out from disabled people saying, like, hey, here's how I feel about this, here's what it's doing to me emotionally as a disabled person to be going through this pandemic and, you know, you would think that in 2020, we would be more prepared for something like this, but it's terrifying that we're not even close to being ready. I don't know what we're going to learn from it. Are we going to be ready the next time? Like, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, yeah, in 20 years when, like, think about it. 20 years ago, we had SARS. Now we have this. What's coming in 2040 when, like, like it, it's, it just feels like something's going to, we have to be better prepared. That's all I'm saying. Um, and I don't feel like we're going to be. And nope. I think it's hard because I don't want to be like moralizing this and being like, look at all the lessons you need to learn from this because right now people are dying and like we need to focus on the immediate. But also, what are we going to learn when we come out of this? What do you think? As a, okay, before I, go in, in, before I go into any further asking you as a disabled person, can you just give us a refresher? And you've been on the show before, but can you give us a refresher of like what your disabilities are and how they affect you? Yeah, totally. So um, I have Larson syndrome, which is a genetic joint and muscle disorder. So um, I have joint dislocations, muscle weakness. Um, I use a wheelchair full time. And so that's really, you know, the the primary physical disability that I have, but then I also um, have very mild asthma. And of course I have some mental health disabilities. So kind of, you know, like a lot of disabled people, I'm a fun little mixed bag. Yeah. You're a multi disabled amazingness. <laughs> um, do you, and how, so how do, how do all those things like affect you when it isn't a pandemic? So usually the big thing for me is a lack of accessibility um, in terms of, you know, not being able to go places or making it much more difficult to go places. And so encountering those challenges all the time, I think, is something that can take a toll on your mental health. Now, granted, I don't think that I have mental health disabilities because I have a physical disability. Like I just don't, I don't think that's um, a, a reasonable stereotype, if you will, that a lot of people have about physical and mental health disabilities. But yeah. I do think that um, it becomes a contributing factor and takes a toll on your mental health when you're constantly encountering 
access barriers and stigma and prejudice in a world that's saying, well, there's really not room for you here. Yeah, yeah. And so I can imagine in, in heightened times like this, that only gets, I don't want to say worse, but it gets, the feeling is heightened and all those feelings are heightened. Yeah, I mean, I think the feeling definitely gets worse because it's bringing into focus all of these things that I can sort of try to push to the back of my mind. And now it's all feeling really, really real. Like, I sort of feel like we're all in the Hunger Games right now. Yeah, right? Does it feel like we're in some sort of weird dystopian movie that isn't, like, we're right in the middle of it and it, there's no, we're, none of us know what to do right now. Yeah, I just, I feel like, do I have to prove my worth somehow? Do I have to fight it out for resources? Do I have to fight it out for care? And part of me is saying that's over dramatic and part of me is saying no this is really happening different states around the country are putting in place um guidance around who to save basically and so suddenly i do feel like we're all in the corona games right now (laughs) (laughs) that's the best title of anything ever <laughs> uh, whoever wrote the Hunger Games, I can't remember your name, but you should seriously, if you haven't decided to get on another series of books, you should start right now. Yeah, free idea. Yeah, there it is. I give it to you freely. Um, tell me a little bit about what is the best part of social distancing for you as a disabled person right now? And what is the worst part of social distancing for you as a disabled person right now? The best part has been some things that I probably would not ordinarily do or experience, I've been able to experience virtually. I've been loving that. And I think that more of that needs to happen, even as we resume normalcy, like making events accessible online and creating um, virtual atmospheres where people can engage. I love that. So I would call that a win for sure. But the worst part has been that like I am used to getting out in the world. You know, um, I'm lucky that I'm not so immunocompromised and that my disability doesn't impact me to the level that I do stay inside all the time. Right. So in spite of access challenges, I'm used to getting out in the world and having some freedom. And now I feel this weight of being more limited than usual because I'm afraid of what happens if I do get sick. So. And what is that fear? Like if you could go into that fear for a minute and kind of like, like go through with me the stages of what that fear feels like. I think it's important for just for not for people listening to understand that the fear is real and it's valid. And a lot of people are freaking out. And I just wanted you to go through like, what does that fear feel like for you? Yeah. So on the one hand, um, I have to keep reminding myself of the privilege that I do have that under any other ordinary circumstances, I have the freedom to be out in the world, breathing fresh air. And that in and of itself is something that I keep trying to reconcile with the fears that I have because 
I feel like not enough people recognize their privilege in all of this. Yeah. So that's like a big thing that I, I try to uh, remind myself of. But I think the fear for me starts at this very low grade fear of, you know, okay, so what about the logistics if I get sick? Because there are certain care needs that I have. And then if I don't have people who are adequately able to assist me in already overrun medical systems where they're not allowing the people who are there to provide you care in the first place to come in and see you, like, yeah. then I start worrying, okay, how are we going to handle this? And then the flip side goes for, um, you know, my family members, because they also have care needs too. You know, everybody has care needs, but yeah. um, I start worrying, like, there's ways that I help my family members and I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, so I first start worrying about helping. That's like the big thing that gets me. And then I start thinking, okay, well, even if we put aside the logistical nightmare, what if things escalate to the point where now more people are getting sick? I live in New York, which is like the hot spot. Yeah, you're like right in the center of it right now. Right? Yeah, and my dad is an essential worker. So he's been, you know, leaving the house every day. Like today is his birthday and he's at work. Oh. Um so, he wants to be like Emily's dad. You don't have to be there. You can say, you can leave. Like, I get uh, it. But also, like, no. He works in um, the medical equipment industry. And so usually his company makes, like, surgical equipment. But now they've pivoted to start providing. Yeah, well, not even ventilators, but, like, the tubing for the ventilators. And, yeah. like, IV bags and just all of this stuff that's at a shortage right now. Wow. And, so, and that, yeah, that must put a lot of like mental strain on you again because like there goes your dad trying to sit, like literally save the world. Literally, that's what's happening. But also he's going into the epicenter of like Corona. Yeah. And then he comes home every day. And so then it like exposes my mother and I to that potentially and my mom also has a disability so then i'm just like in a constant spiral of like who's gonna get it first who's gonna get it worst oh. and when we go to the hospital who are they gonna save like that's it's, a, so that's a terrifying spiral but a, but it makes sense that you would have to, you have to go there because yeah so are you because of that do you think that you're more hypervisions about hey dad did you wash your hands did you just got home did you like have a shower did you like wash your hands i don't even know if we're being as careful as we should be because like we're a very i would say like affectionate family so like i will hug him all the time and it i can't just like break that habit no um especially so, when you're feeling emotions but like i love right, you yeah right and also, like, today's his birthday. Like, of course I want to hug him. So I know I'm, like, putting myself in the line of fire here. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, washing hands, hand sanitizer, doing what he can. And also, you know, like, his workplace has significantly limited the number of people who are coming in. And so, you know, taking precautions as we can. But, I mean, I know I hear, like, you have to social distance even with the people in your house. But, like, I don't know how to stay six feet from someone um, I live with. 
Yeah, from my dad, who both, yeah, like I get that, but also like, what if we need help and your dad's there and he'll have like, right, exactly. Like sometimes I actually need help with things. So yeah, so like yeah, this is one of the things too. I think the media they're starting to talk about it more, but not enough. Social distancing is not possible for a lot of disabled people right now. I have care workers coming into my house four times a day to do my care and it's they wash their hands and there's a protocol and like this morning they got me up and they for the first time this whole thing they rubbed me like a screener before doing my care do you have a cough do you have a fever do you have like chills and it was really scary I was like what this is weird like they came in with like a checklist that I had to like check off and I was like oh god like it's really this is really happening so like I, I did it but to know that people are coming in out of my house and those, those are the only people coming in, but you don't know where they were before this. And like, you don't know how they got to work and like, they're essential and I care about them. But I also kind of wish that like the care system that I live in would hire a car and like pick them up from their house and drive them straight to work and then drive them straight home just so that there's a limit like that. That'll never happen because they don't, nobody has money, but it would be, it's a nice idea of like, how do we protect both the worker and the, and the client? Yeah, especially because you have to remember that the worker and the client are not just like people in and of themselves right now, but also vectors for harming other people. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it's it's such a a cycle. And um, I keep trying to remind myself to calm down, like take a serious chill pill, but it's (laughs) it's not really working for me right now. And like, I also, my big... Um, essential service like I don't have care workers come in for PCA care but I have a physical therapy um, and she comes three times a week and you know now she has like a list of questions that she has to ask and she comes in wearing a mask and gloves but you know she's also going to other people's houses and those people are vulnerable and I know that like I'm very close with my therapist so I know yeah. that you know she and her family are taking a lot of precautions yeah but you know i keep asking myself like at what point do i maybe have to let physical therapy go for a little while which again would then in turn impact your mental health and in turn impact how you feel about disability and all those things and Um, my physical health yeah yeah. like i i mean she is literally the only person coming and going from my house right now um who's like an outside person but you know it's something that I rely on to keep myself moving and, and as flexible as I can be. yeah yeah of course and to be able to provide because you said you help your family too so this is a, that's a way you also ensure that your body's in well enough to help your mom or help your dad or exactly yeah yeah um one of the things I know about you I know that you have a partner um how is all this social distancing stuff? How do you feel about that? Uh, it's super sucky because we're social distancing apart. Um, but, you know, it is what it is because we both respect that this is too serious to not play by the rules. Yeah. Um, but it's all so much and a lot right now. I mean, I know you have couples who are like, quarantining together and this is like make or breaking it for them but at this point we're weathering it um in physically different places and just trying to make it through and then that's 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 a lot like that so how are you and your how are you and he um 
like, what are you doing to, this can sound so cliche, but this is the phrase that popped in my head. What are you doing to keep the spark alive while you're quarantining? <laughs> well, we just talk all the time anyway, um, either texting or like we talk every night on the phone. So nothing is super different about our routine, which I actually like a lot. Um, I think stability is important right yeah. now in any way that you can find it. Yeah. What And so I'm also seeing a lot of reports of disabled people not taking social distancing seriously. And I've seen people where I live going out with high, like they're high risk disabilities going out and doing stuff. Um, like, how do you feel about what, what, what would you say to those disabled people who are like, oh, it's you're just a flow, you'll be all right. Like, what do you wish you could impart to them? You know, it's funny because I haven't seen too much of that. I don't know if it's just the bubble that I exist in where everyone that I know who's disabled is also freaking the hell out about this. Um, But I mean, at this point, I think anyone who's not taking this seriously just needs like a metaphorical kick in the butt to be like, hi, you're putting your life at risk and so many other people's lives at risk. Like I keep seeing on social media now um the posts about so-and-so was healthy and then a few days later he died from this yeah and i was like i don't understand what you're not taking seriously this is like not the world's largest hoax this is like very real and it's very much happening yeah and like all you have to do is stay home if you can we're not asking a lot. I know it sounds like a lot. I know it feels like a lot. I know it's stressful. And I'm sure you really wanted to go do that cool thing. But like. So did we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, choose. Do you want to go to that Taylor Swift concert? Or would you like to die? Choose. Like, what? Choose. Like, choose. Well, I'm feeling kind of happy at this point that everything is just getting canceled. So it's like making the decision for people. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember a couple weeks ago, like, I had a couple concerts I was going to go to, and I, like, I was kind of hoping, like, I'm supposed to go, Shit's Creek is coming in June to Canada. I saw that. And I'm so jealous. I don't know if it's going to happen right now because of whatever, but if, like, part of me secretly hopes that it gets canceled because then none of us can have it, and it'll have to come by later. I don't know. Okay. Maybe we should talk about Schitt's Creek because yeah, I'm, I feel like we need a breeder for a second. Yeah, I can, let's, <laughs> let's do that. Let's do that. Are you all caught up? Yep. I watch it every week on the on the CBC, Can- Canadian Broadcasting Network. Yeah, I know. It's like your, your home and native land over there. Yeah. It's, it is literally, and I've, I watch it all on Netflix, and I rewatch it, and I watch it. Like, it's something that's keeping me sane right now is watching just that family be ridiculous and Moira is amazing and like but uh. also like it's coming to an end and what a poor time for that to happen <laughs> like I almost want to like, tweet Dan Levy and be like so how about just can we do can you, you know can we do like a social distancing 12 more episodes over Skype <laughs> can, can I feel like that's extremely necessary. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to bury myself in other fake realities. Yeah, I totally get that. Like, and Shit's Creek is just—it's just—it's so. 
iconic and it's just a, it's a little show from Canada that nobody thought would go anywhere and all of a sudden it like blew up and now it's like if you're not watching it what, do you, what else are you doing I think I might even start a rewatch to calm myself down honestly if you need a rewatch partner I'm here for it heck yeah let me oh know yes please ready yeah like I I really feel like self-care is something that I cannot overstate enough how important it is. No, it's, it's, it's especially for disabled people right now who just we're stuck in a lot of scary situations. And so watching mindless television, like my favorite thing to watch right now, aside from Shit's Creek is anything Star Trek because it's so ridiculous. And like, I just, I'm, I'm getting through Picard and I, Patrick Store, I love you. Like, oh my goodness, this is great. So I'm not a Trekkie, but oh. I know that people are enjoying it right now. It's if you just want to watch Patrick Store be amazing for ten episodes, and you don't. It's what I like about this different. What I like about Picard versus Star Trek is it's much more grounded in. There's space stuff, yeah, and there's like replicated, and all those things are still happening. But it's much more grounded in a humanity as opposed to like, ooh, we're in space. It's more like, no, we're on Earth, and sometimes we go to space for like things but it's much more watching Patrick Stewart do a character study on this character and he just I think is a brilliant actor and so I'm like I can you could read me the phone book and I would watch it see yeah this is what I feel like I need right now way more deep dives into things that are probably inconsequential to my life but that like are not about coronavirus yeah no I (laughs) I I fully support this um I I had a question because you're a creator, you're a content creator, and you're somebody who I try. does a lot of things, and you host the amazing Accessible Stallball get- podcast with our mutual friend, Kyle Ketchadurian. Good old Kyle. Did I say his name right? You did. Okay, good. Um, he, if you're listening, and I know you will because Emily will make you, uh, come on the show. I wanted you on the show forever again. Come back on. But anyway, so you host the show with him. How has coronavirus impacted your creativity as a content creator and somebody with disabilities who makes content for the disabled world oh my god all the words are just not coming out right now (laughs) is really what's happening like the piece that i wrote for huff post that did come tumbling out because i had been holding it in for a while but all the other things that i've been trying to do um make it feel like creativity is basically performing a root canal yeah yeah it's it's been hard because like right now I'm writing a book and I keep finding myself feeling like none of this matters because coronavirus and I know a lot of people are feeling that way very like existential crisis-y but um I'm having a hard time reconciling a lot of what I'm trying to create with um, the broader state of the world. And as for the podcast, like Kyle and I recorded a coronavirus episode and we didn't put it out for a week. And then by the time that week was up, none of it was relevant anymore. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Cause this thing is just changing so fast. And then that's what's scary about it is like, it's like we have to, disabled people have to keep talking about this because it keeps changing and it keeps changing how our world is going to 
how our world as disabled people is going to be in a week or an hour or a minute from now. And that's why I think it's so hard because we have to keep fighting when all of us, when all we, when everybody, whether we're disabled or not right now, all we want to do is like kind of sink into the malaise of what's happening and also try to figure it out. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're all trying to figure it out. I don't know what figuring it out looks like. I mean, I don't know either. I, re- I mean, for me right now, my creativity starts and ends with, I'm going to do two or three Twitter posts today about how I'm feeling and that's it. And I'm going to give that to the world. And I'm going to put that out there and I hope they like it. And that that's all I can produce right now. I mean, I, and I'm doing this, I'm doing this like COVID-19 quarantine and chill thing for my podcast, which actually is making me feel a lot better because I really enjoy being able to sit down with other disabled people and talk about what we're both scared about right now. That's been giving me a lot of, not like creative juices, but just something to look forward to. Like I get to sit with another disabled person and feel all the things with somebody who's going through something similar and that feels good. Oh yeah, that's really real. The human connection, even if it is just over a video chat right now is so valuable to me and especially when it's disabled person to disabled person because you just need somebody who gets it right now yeah and who understands what the fear is and where it comes from and why it's real and what and what it could do and like so one of the questions that I had written down for all the people that I'm doing this kind of interview with was was what scares you the most about COVID-19 as a disabled person and I think you kind of mentioned it like the lack of being prioritized and like what could happen if you have to enter a hospital setting. Is there any like other part of this that scares you that you haven't mentioned yet? Just a, an overall looming sense of dread, <laughs> not to be super dark, but I mean, that that's where I'm at right now. Like, I think the thing that scares me the most is I just don't know exactly how even when things return to normal on the surface, we're all going to pull ourselves out of this feeling of, like, what happens next time. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Do you think that our economy will be less ableist after this or our, or our sense of work ethic will be less ableist after this? Like, do you, I don't think so, but I hope so. I feel like that's going to be a really mixed bag because I think that there are going to be employers who recognize the value of having these contingency plans in place and hopefully realizing that people can be productive, more productive when they're in a situation that works for them. Yes. So I'm really, really hoping that we'll be able to start to recognize the value of accommodating and adapting. But I think that there's a lot of people who are already calling for us to resume normalcy. And I think those are the people who are going to go right back to being more ableist than they already were. Yeah. And that's, scary like like yo trump maybe don't open the economy before easter maybe but (laughs) i can't tell that guy what to do like can it just be can he just can oh my god i don't even live in your country and i'm I'm like what are you what are you what are you what are you doing (laughs) every day every day that is the conversation in my house like what are you doing um (laughs) 
So I have two two last Corona questions for you. Totally about COVID. So, what piece of advice would you give to other disabled people who are who are feeling the way you're feeling, feeling upset, feeling concerned, feeling scared? As a disabled person, what kernels of wisdom do you think you would offer to them? I know that the instinct can be to swallow it down, but don't. Because I honestly had been swallowing so many things. And then in like the past week, it has all come out all over the place. (laughs) Um, Don't do that. No. Easier said than done. But, you know, if you need support, find that support. Whether it is through an online community, whether it is through, you know, the personal connections that you have that you just don't take advantage of on a daily basis, reach out, ask if they want to have a video chat, ask if they want to have a phone call, play a virtual game. I mean, you know, now is the time to reach out. Yeah. Something I want to, I want to just piggyback on that. We as disabled people are often painted as quote too much. We are often painted as too needy. We are often painted as overbearing. We are, all these things are, all these words are given to us and these descriptors are given to us. This is the time to not give a fuck about that and just do it anyway. And if they don't respond, move on to the next. Just because it's okay right now to ask for support, disabled people. That's what I would say. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, completely. And, And so my last question for you is what advice then, if we were to flip that question, what advice would you give to non-disabled people who are going through this for the very first time, who are dealing with, with social distancing and social isolation and quarantine and things that we as disabled people have been doing for a good long time now? What would you say to them to keep them calm and to, to, as somebody who's been through this in some variation before, what would you say? I would tell them that the most important thing right now is to keep it in perspective because people do not do that enough. Everything seems to be new and scary to non-disabled people. And I want them to know that, you know, this is new and scary. It's new and scary for all of us. And the best thing that we can do is try to keep some perspective on our feelings when it comes to frustration with needing to stay inside, remembering that it's for the greater good. You know, I know it can be hard to see outside of yourself, but right now seeing outside of yourself is what's going to save everyone and we need that right now yeah like this feels like one of those NBC shows where it's like save the cheerleader save the world but it's actually like just save the world yeah yeah like you want to be a hero for disabled people since some people seem to have that need to do that like now is your chance (laughs) you couldn't have said it better and that's like (laughs) perfect quote to end it on right now um 
Emily, how do people get a hold of you? How can they contact you? Oh my goodness. Um, I am a very online person. <laughs> um, the best way probably to get a hold of me right now is through Twitter. I'm at Emily underscore Ladau, L-A-D as in dog, A-U. Um, or you can find me on my website, which is wordsiwheelby.com. Um, reach out. I mean, on the one hand, I am absolutely not a psychologist, uh, not a licensed mental health professional, don't know that I can provide um, qualified mental health support here, but I can certainly, you know, do what I can to connect people with the right resources. Amazing. And I, as I said, I think you're a thought leader. You're somebody that I really, truly respect in the disability space. And I, you know, it's just a pleasure to, to always sit down and talk with you about stuff. Um, if you and Kyle need a podcast guest for Accessible Stall again, let me know. You are awesome. This has been awesome. It's been so lovely to just have real talk with another disabled person. I mean, yeah, so much. It just makes me feel like I feel infinitely better having just sat with you for this last 40 minutes and just had a chat. So Yeah, get rid of those knots in our stomach for a little while. Just for like, for like you know, this is what this is what quarantine and chill is all about. So Emily Ladau, this was great. You know I love you to bits. Um, the feeling is mutual. Thank you for doing this. Any time. And thank you for being so, thank you for being such a great guest. Um, oh my God, of course. If you need anything, you know I'm here for you. I got you. Likewise, likewise. Take good care of yourself. Stay healthy and we're gonna get through this shit. Damn right. All right, Emily Liddell, thank you for coming on Quarantine and Chill episode. I don't know. I'll figure it out when I post it. But thank you so much for coming on Quarantine and Chill, a part of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Andrew Gerza. That was Emily Liddell. And thanks for listening to this bonus episode, friends. Bye. And... Emily really raised some amazing points in that interview, and I'm just really, really happy that she wanted to come on and talk to me. I would love to speak to more disabled people as the pandemic evolves and changes and grows, and as we have more concerns over social welfare and more concerns about poverty and more concerns that are hard-hitting to the disability community right now, I feel it is my opportunity and my responsibility as a disabled thought leader to put these um, to put these episodes out there on this feed for free, not behind a paywall or anything, just because I want more disabled voices to be heard. And so many of you have come forward and say these episodes are helping you feel not so alone, and I want to continue that trend. So if you want to be on the show, on a specifically a quarantine and chill show, please send me an email directly to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and let me know what you want to talk about regarding the pandemic and your experience with disability, and we'll get you booked in. I, I, I think these episodes are some of my best work that I've ever done and really, really key and really, really vital. I don't see a lot of other disability um, outlets doing stuff like this, so I'm really, really pleased and excited by this opportunity. Um, amidst such a crazy, crazy time. 
So that's been episode six, and I am looking forward to bringing you more content in the coming days, both with Quarantine and Chill, the regular sexy episode on Thursday, and a new episode all about Crip Camp on Wednesday. So um, thank you for sticking out with me. If you want to be in touch with me on social media, follow me at It's Andrew Gerza on Twitter and Instagram, and Disaft Dark Pod on Twitter for the podcast. Thank you so much. Stay comfy, crippled, and quarantined, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020